Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show, bringing you inside rumors and transactions around the league with your hosts, Keith Smith and Trevor Lane. Brought to you by LakersNation.com and CLNS Media. Hey everybody, welcome into the NBA Front Office Show. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. We've got tons of NBA news to break down today. Lots of things to dive into. Before we do, quick reminder, do give us that five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Joining me as always is Keith Smith. You can find him at Keith Smith NBA over on Twitter of... Real GM, Yahoo, everywhere, Celtics blog, all over the place. Keith Smith, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. It's, I'm excited to, that we were able to connect. I know over the holidays it was, it was a little difficult, and now and then we had other stuff going on. So so good to get into it, talk about some of those teams that we think are playing pretty well, some teams that are not playing so well, and then uh, catch up on some news, do a little bit of education for people on some stuff that's happening around the league and all that. So a lot, lot, like you said, a lot to get into. Yeah, it's been an exciting NBA season so far. And that's right, we haven't touched base in, in what, a week or two here? I guess two weeks now. So it's nice to be able to get back into the swing of things here and uh, and get going on this. But I want to hit you with this one right out of the gate, Keith, because from the Lakers side of things, which is obviously, you know, my, my world, from the Lakers side of things, I am being asked all the time, when can the Lakers use their final roster spot, that 15th roster spot? We know that we have to wait for the veteran minimum salary to prorate enough so that they can fit it under the hard cap. But that answer hasn't really been out there. And I know before we came on the air here, you were doing the math and getting it all figured out for us, Keith. So so what is, for all the Lakers fans out there, what is that answer? When can they add that 15th player? So, and, and I will couch this with, Trevor asked me literally like a minute before we started recording. So I'm, I'm doing some quick math here. Um, the Lakers on your toes. Are, are a little... That's it. (laughs) They're a little over 900,000 under the the tax apron or the hard cap uh, right now. $912,952 to be specific. Um, You, as Lakers fans probably know at this point, but for everybody else listening, you can't exceed the hard cap by even a dollar. So um, so that's why this matters so much. So doing it under the assumption that the Lakers would only be adding someone uh, using the two-year veteran minimum um, is what, what we believe, right? Because they're not going to add add another rookie, mm-hmm. likely. They're probably not going to add a guy with one year of experience because they want someone who can actually help um, them as they try to go back-to-back for championships. That means that you've got to get to a point in the season where the contract can fit in under 912000 this year, because there's only 146 days in the season, salaries prorate by 146 um, days versus the normal 177. So that's a, a little over $11,000 a day. So in order to get there, that means February 24th is the day that they can do it when there's 82 days left in the season. It'd be 82 and change, but you can't round up here because you can't. You can't sign someone for part of a day. So, you know, it would be uh, February 24th when there's 82 days left in the season. That's when they can fill that last roster spot by my math and get somebody in for the rest of this year. Okay, so for everybody that's been messaging me and saying, oh, they need to sign Dwayne Dedman or they need another big, go find this guy or that guy or, or whoever, it can't happen for a little bit. And that doesn't mean... February 24th, we should all just be on pins and needles waiting. Okay, who are they going to sign? No, they might decide to wait until the buyout market. That's very possible. It's not something where we would expect that to happen immediately, but that's the earliest that we could see them use that 15th roster spot, aside from, you know, making a trade or something like that to clear salary on their books. Yeah, and and to that point, you're absolutely right. If they move some salary off the books, that would open up you know, that spot earlier, potentially even, you know, right away, something like that. Important to remember this year, the trade deadline is March 25th. So buyout season really kind of commences right after the trade deadline. We rarely see buyouts pre-trade deadline. So, so you're down to, you know, you're, let's call it a month and a half away from being able to, to fill that spot. And even then you're probably still a month away 
um, because they're, they're probably not just going to go out and get somebody right away. Now, 10-day uh, contracts can start. I believe it's February 23rd, okay. if I remember correctly, this year. Um, so if they signed anybody to a 10-day, they do have the ability to do that. That would just reduce because any days they use in advance, you can't give somebody a rest-of-season contract. So so that that's you know just kind of the, the math they're, they're having to play with and, and work under, and that was the you know the um i guess the penalty i don't know if it's really a penalty but but the penalty for signing montrez harold to the full mid-level was not being able to use the you know um did they they're hard capped and now they can't fill that last spot right and that's that's a great point to add in there keith it's because they signed montrez harold using that mid-level then they used the biannual on wesley matthews those two things either one of them individually would have done it but those two things trigger a hard cap which is why the lakers are now working under that constraint which is not the end of the world there's a number of teams that are hard capped this season but it's just the reality and so now it's good to have a little bit of certainty to know exactly when the earliest they they uh could make such a move would be yeah absolutely it's uh you know and that's it's you know hey it's funny because I just I just did this math though let me redo redo it again real quick but it is there are 18 teams that are hard capped this year so <laughs> that's got to be a record league is hard capped yeah I I think it is I you know I'd have to go back and really uh, do do a lot of looking to to see so yeah 18 teams are hard capped and the Lakers aren't the only ones that are tight either the uh the clippers are hard capped they're even tighter to the margin with an open roster spot 538,000 under uh the Milwaukee Bucks have an open roster spot they're at 441,000 under the hard cap the Houston Rockets are just over a million under and they're hard capped there's a couple other teams that are hard capped but they're you know they've got a little bit more wiggle room but still it's something that you've definitely got teams working around and it's why you know those three western conference teams the two LA teams in Houston and then the Bucks and the East all had to keep a roster spot open because they don't have the ability to fill it right right and that's where they'll be until the till it prorates enough for them to fill that spot yep. if they do they they might choose not to we'll have to wait and see uh speaking of moves exactly. around the nba or moves that have not happened yet around the nba checking in on the james harden trade is james harden still <laughs> a houston rocket yes he is uh, still yeah, a houston rocket yep, right three, now three tw- <laughs> 324 on friday afternoon yeah. <laughs> Uh, 324 Eastern, that is, on Friday afternoon. He's still a rocket. <laughs> physically, physically, he is still a rocket. Yes. Maybe in spirit, he is no longer a Houston rocket. But Maybe not. But for right now, um, I keep waiting, Keith. I think that this is the type of, of trade negotiation that it's going to take some team, maybe you know midway through the season, convincing themselves that they are a James Harden trade away from really making some noise from winning an NBA championship to get this deal done. Because until then, all we've been hearing really is, well, you know, Philly doesn't want to trade Ben Simmons or Denver doesn't want to trade Michael Porter Jr. Most teams don't want to put forth their best assets. But I think as the season goes on, if there's a team out there that feels like, hey, we're this close, and if we make this move, we can win a championship this year, that's what it's going to take for somebody to finally say, okay, Houston, here's at least a good part of the assets that you want. Yeah, I think it's either that or it's a team that is uh, expected to be better and is really struggling, like the Toronto Raptors, yes. who are off to a really terrible start. Uh, you could see them potentially say, you know, all right, we'll get in there. That's a GM and Masai Ujiri who, you know, he's got the cachet to be able to pull that off. You know, no one's going to – he's not going to get fired if it doesn't go well or anything like that, you know. And he also, I think, has the belief of, hey, we brought in Kawhi Leonard and it worked out fine. We won a championship. Sure, he left after. But we won, so you know we can make this work with James Harden as well. So you know the challenge right now, and, and this is you know something that I say a lot, and I said this if you remember before the season started, he makes forty one point two million dollars. That's not an easy number to move in season because you either have to have a massive expiring contract, which that's all the Rockets will take back, um, or you're going to have to trade three or four guys to get their salary matching wise. Um, So that's hard for teams to do because that means you go the three or four guys route, you've sapped your depth. Now all your depth is gone and you're down to, you know, there. And that might be fine, right? I mean, if you have Harden and the right handful of guys left, you're probably okay to, you know, compete for a title with that. Um, But, yeah, that's the challenge because of that big salary number, the fact it's going to take a three or four for one. Those are just things that don't don't necessarily work in season. And that's that's why it's going to take a little while for this one to come together, if it even does at all uh, this season. And what's kind of funny is when I watch the Rockets play, kind of look at it as, 
dude, this might be the best team you've had in Houston. Right? Why are you even Christian Wood to has been incredible. You know, yeah, Christian Wood's been great. John Wall looks really good. It looks like a really good backcourt partner for Harden. Clearly, it goes beyond just the players on mm-hmm. the team. It's, you know, I think there's a lot of other reasons he doesn't want to be there anymore. But th- those are the things you're, you know, kind of looking at. But yeah, it, I think this one's going to keep dragging on for a while longer until somebody pulls the trigger and says, all right, we're, we're ready. Let's make the Harden move and let's go. So before we start bouncing around the league and talking about the the good and the bad, I guess let's start with something bad, Um, the hardship exemption. Uh, We need to touch upon that. We've already seen some season-ending injuries, like uh, you're in Orlando, Markel Fultz. I mean, that's that's terrible. What's what's going on with these hardship, hardship exemptions right now? And I know the teams are requesting them. How's this all shaking out? Yeah. So first, let's talk about what the hardship exemption is. And you can um, I just put an article up on Celtics blog, which explains this. If you'd rather read uh, versus listen, um, you can go there. It's under roster options for injury, illness, hit Celtics. And basically what the hardship exemption is, is it allows a team to add additional players when they have a full roster. So full rosters this year, 15 players on standard contracts, two players on two way contracts. When you need a hardship, um, you can go up to 18 players. Sometimes it's a 19th player. Sometimes it's even, you know, could be as high as a 20th player if you if you were approved, if you had that many guys out. How you get to the hardship is you have to have at least four players out and they have to have been out for at least three games. And then you can apply to the NBA to say, hey, we're in a hardship. You know, we're down you know X amount of players on our roster and we need to replace them. And then what the NBA does is they approve it and you go and you can sign a guy. Mm-hmm. Now, let's use right. We're talking about the Lakers. Yeah. You don't get hard cap relief. So if you're a hard cap team, you don't get any kind of relief there. And of right. course, the Lakers wouldn't even qualify anyway because they have an open roster spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have to have a full roster and you have to be down four guys for at least three games. But then the, here comes the challenge, right? You add a guy, then let's say the next day somebody comes back, you have to waive the player. The minute you're back to only three players out, you have to waive somebody and get get back to within roster compliance. So it really comes into play when you know you're going to be down guys for a good long time. So right now, the Memphis Grizzlies, who unfortunately have gotten very used to using the hardship exemption mm-hmm. because they've been in that position for years now with injuries almost every year, it feels like. They're down. Jaron Jackson hasn't played yet. Justice Winslow hasn't played yet. John T. Porter hasn't played yet. Killian Tilly hasn't played yet. And then they lost John Moran. So they applied for and were approved for a hardship. They signed Tim Frazier. Um, who came in on a 10-day contract. Now, what's interesting is, if you remember before, I said 10-day contracts start in late February. Right. That is true, except this year, because of the COVID um, situation where the NBA new teams are probably might need to dip into these hardship because of COVID, um, they allowed teams to sign guys to 10-day contracts early if they're using a hardship exemption to fill that roster spot. Um, so that's that's why Frazier's there on a 10-day. And then hopefully somebody will get back. They won't need him on that anymore, and they can move forward. Um, but we're looking at, you mentioned Orlando. Orlando yeah. is now down um, for the season. Uh, Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz. Al Farouk Aminu is out. We have no timetable on when he will come back. Um, Chuma Kiki is out. We don't know exactly how long he's going to be out for. Michael Carter-Williams is out indefinitely. Um, and that's now they're in a position where they could probably use the hardship to say, are right, we going to get somebody in here? Uh, the Boston Celtics, the team I cover closely, Kemba Walker and Romeo Langford are out. They're going to be out for a while longer. And then they just were hit with three guys, Tristan Thompson, Grant Williams, and Robert Williams, are all going to be out for at least a week due to uh, health and safety protocols. There's subsequent reporting that says that uh, Robert Williams tested positive for COVID, and Tristan Thompson and Grant Williams are out due to contact tracing and being close um, right. to him. So, so they will, as soon as those guys are out for three games, they'll qualify because they'll be at four players or more out for the three games. So so we're going to start seeing the hardship exemption come into play here. Unfortunately, um, there's a story developing out of Philly. They've got guys yeah. who are, looks like they're going to be out as well. Uh, the Chicago Bulls are dealing with several guys who are out. Uh, this is going to come up you know, throughout the course of this season. Where I'm most interested is what happens if it's one of these hard-capped teams? What if right. the Lakers or the Clippers or the Bucks or the Rockets, would the NBA kind of hold firm and say, then you got to make a trade and dump 
salary to clear space to fill roster spots first or would they you know step in and you know um, say you know all right we'll help you out here we'll make a one-time exception and we'll allow that which i'm sure the you know, rest of the teams in the league would absolutely be thrilled about so that, that's uh really curious because unfortunately you know, i'm gonna keep my fingers crossed here but unfortunately I'm worried that it is going to be something that runs through every team at some point in the season, as we're seeing now several teams are you know, starting to lose guys here over the last, let's call it, week or so. Yeah, and that's, and that's something we knew was probably going to be the case at some point this season, that yeah. it was something that we were going to deal with um, across the NBA. It was something they were going to have to deal with. And so I like that the NBA built in that flexibility with the 10-day. Uh, the more flexibility you can have right now, the better to deal with this situation. There's just that, yeah. That's what you have to have. But I do think that's a great point about the, the hard cap teams, how they're going to manage that situation when those teams find themselves with only, yeah. I don't know, say six healthy players or something like that. The NBA is going to have to do something. Otherwise, you're looking at potentially canceling or rescheduling games. Obviously, we're not crossing yeah. that bridge just yet, but there's the potential for it to get Well, to let's point. go back, though, mm-hmm. to the full opening night. The Rockets game was postponed because well, yes. they didn't have enough healthy guys to play. So, you know, that's, you know, there there's an example of the NBA didn't, you know, kind of break down and say, okay, you can add, you know, a guy, you know, for, for this game or whatever. It was, mm-hmm. all right, well, then you can't, you don't have the ability to add enough players to get there. I think they would add to that two or three anyway because they were down so many guys um but yeah that's that's just it's just you know the reality of what this season is going to be and it's just you know a storyline to keep an eye on because this is on top of like like orlando is dealing with you know let's just call them regular injuries right where you know unfortunately you know it's a lot of guys who are out and injured but but it's not covid related stuff as these teams deal with the covid related stuff that's just you know a, a, a complicating factor on there so yeah just you know uh, keep, keep that in mind when you start hearing hardship that that's what's going on here. It's the teams are down, you know, several guys for generally, you know, uh, three games. That's usually, you know, a week or so. But in this compressed season, that's you know, a matter of three or four days, you know, really about four or five days. I guess it's better to put it that way. See, I had forgotten that the Rockets had missed their first game of the season, that that had to, <laughs> that, that, that that happened. I was too busy making fake James Harden trades. That, uh, yep. <laughs> there it is. I, that one, that one slipped <laughs> you past and me. everybody else <laughs> access to the great machine. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about the NBA right now. Let's bounce around the league. We're a few weeks in now. Most Ooh. teams are now over the 10% mark, done with 10% of their season, a little bit more uh, for, I think, just about everybody now. So let's start off on the positive, and maybe we can bounce back back and forth here, Keith. Give me a team that you are pleasantly surprised with that you think is outperforming expectations, uh, and then we'll get into some of the stinkers in a little bit. Yeah, uh, the Phoenix Suns, yeah, definitely one. Um, I, I thought the Suns would be you know good. I thought they'd be right in the mix for the playoffs. I had them at seventh. Um, preseason and in the play-in mix, uh, but clearly it looks like they're they're going to be better than that. Now it's funny they're you know first in the West right now at six and two, mm-hmm. and they are you know a full you know two and a half games clear of the Thunder who are like down in like uh, what is that eleventh. So yeah. you know it's still very very early, <laughs> yes. but they are playing really well. And what what makes me even more positive about them than I think I normally you know, would be is Devin Booker hasn't played all that great. Um, they, they're younger guys like Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. They have played really, really well. But I think what's going to happen is, as far as this being sustainable for Phoenix is, as those guys maybe take a little bit of a step back, uh, Booker has room to really improve his play, and they should be able to stay you know, pretty level. So I'm thinking now, you know, kind of just revising things in my head a little bit, Suns might be more in that 2-3-4 uh, you know, mix than you know, close to that 7 and play in mix. Yeah, and that's where I had them as well. So they have certainly been been a pleasant surprise. And this is a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a long time. I mean, the seven seconds or yeah. le- second or less days are well; those were a long time ago. And so the uh, seeing the Suns do well, that's you know that's exciting for for that franchise. They it, you had to feel kind of bad for them. They went eight and zero in the bubble in Orlando, and somehow still, <laughs> still did not it. make the playoffs. So here they are now continuing that play. But you know, I think everybody is going to be the knee jerk reaction is to say, oh. Chris Paul, that's what's doing that. It's Chris Paul, and Chris Paul is certainly helping. But I think you hit the nail on the head yeah. when you mentioned the young guys, uh, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, 
These are the guys that have really helped boost them to another level in addition to Chris Paul. So while I know the big, you know, all the buzz was around Chris Paul going to Phoenix, I think that we should pay a lot of attention too to the growth of some of their young players this season. Yeah, I mean, Mikael Bridges right now, he's at 14 points, five rebounds a game, uh, over a block per game. Um, he's playing really good defense. He's shooting 45% from three uh, so far. So as, you know, Devin Booker is, you know, scoring well, but just not quite what you expect. You know, he's at 21.5 points per game. And I think a lot of people thought he might be, you know, 27, mm-hmm. 28, maybe even pushing 30. Um, yeah, and they've got, uh, I want to say it's six or seven guys averaging double figures in points. And that that's huge for for them. Um, you know, and they, I really like they, they've got pretty good roster balance too, which is kind of funny right because remember a couple years back it was all right this team has 13 point guards then it was like they don't have any point (laughs) guards then it was you know they've got you know six centers and you know all this like weird stuff but now they've really achieved pretty good roster balance and i feel like they're in a position where i just what i look at is if you're playing well is it sustainable um early in the season if you're playing poorly is it reversible and I think with the Suns, I do think it's sustainable. Keith, and we need to give a shout out to campaign Cameron Payne. He's he's yes. really turned things around. And I remember what the last summer league Anytime. that we were able to go to. I'm trying to remember what team. Maybe it was with Chicago, <laughs> Dallas. Oh, was, okay. I think he was with. He Dallas. was trying to get himself yeah. back into the league, and this is this has been a really great turnaround. He's been playing very well for them as well. Big time. Yeah. Get hit with now with him and Javon Carter. They've got really good point guard depth. Um, they get a lot out of kind of playing guys together because they, they really um, can kind of get after it defensively. Yeah. It's just now it's a, it's a team that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. They really kind of hit on almost all of their offseason signings. The only guy who hasn't really shown up so far was each one more. Um, and I think that's more, it's, you know, no pun intended, but I think that's more of a let's wait and see if we need to break glass of in case of emergency and bring a shooter into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you've got him on the bench because right now Langston Galloway's kind of getting uh, those minutes that you thought might have gone to more. But yeah, they're, they're, they're a real pleasant surprise. Who, who kind of comes to the top of mind for you on the pleasant surprise? Well, it's side? a little bit ironic because you go to the Western Conference and I go to the Eastern you Conference. We've got our wires crossed here somewhere, Keith, but I'm, I'm looking at the <laughs> 76ers. You know, the 76ers were that team that we said last season – could have been at the top of the conference when we were going into the season. And then as things played out, the pieces just didn't fit. The chemistry wasn't quite right there. And now here they are. I know they lost uh, last night, but they're sitting at 7-2. Seven two, seven two. They're at the top of the Eastern Conference. Their point differential looks pretty good. They're a positive 6.3. We know they brought in Danny Green. You bring in Seth Curry, of course, you know, the wheels might fall off here due to all the, these COVID issues and everything. But for right now, uh, when they're all healthy... It seems like the plan is mostly working, and and to loop things back to the James Harden thing, if things are working with Philly, that kind of takes away their incentive to part with a young player like Ben Simmons to go get a James Harden. So, you know, it's all kind of connected here, but I do like what we've seen out of the 76ers, especially since they were such an underachieving team based on expectations last season. Yeah, I, I was high on them, and if you remember back, I said they're either gonna make me look good or look stupid, <laughs> and it was just you know one of those things where it was yeah you know, I just I felt like the roster made a lot more sense with Green and Curry, mm-hmm. you know, alongside Simmons and Bead and Harris. Um, their depth that's that's what's about to be tested, right? Is you know do you have enough depth now? Um, and that's something that again I think every team's gonna have to answer that question at some point this year. But I think yo know, yeah their, their team makes a lot of sense. My only concern they haven't really played anybody yet yeah um so that is something i'm a little you know let's see when the schedule toughens up but i don't beat up on teams for beating bad teams you know that they're you know they they hammered a lot of those bad teams Mm -hmm. you you play the schedule that you're given and you you go and in the nba you know especially even in this year everybody's playing more close to the same exact schedule right you're getting your your conference teams three times a piece but you're only getting them one more than the opposite conference so you know so it's not this is not a you know huge benefit of you know pile up wins against you know team you know everybody's going to get a chance to play you know those teams at the bottom so yeah philly looks really good right now um you know i'll give you another one since yeah. we're kind of still we'll, we'll stay positive here i'm going to give you two more and i'll stay in the east the new york knicks yes you know, where the heck did this come from you know um defending hard playing hard 
Um, they look a lot more organized. That's one of the things that I keep saying is they look like a real team out there, you know, under Tibbs. Um, I do worry we're already seeing guys play 38, 39, 40 minutes per game. That's, <laughs> that's also Tibbs. Um, you know, yeah, that's Tibbs too. So let's, you know, let's kind of check in and, you know, a month or so mm-hmm. here and see they're hanging in there. But, you know, your era, old draft pick Julius Randle playing, you know, lights out playing the best basketball he's ever played. My fellow ra- um, residents of Randall Island are all uh, are all celebrating right now. We're saying, <laughs> we told you so like four years ago. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so it is, um, you know, I am uh, curious to just see, you know, where this goes, you know, going forward with the Knicks and then the Orlando Magic. Yeah. You know, they you have, have played really well out of the gates as well. Yeah, you know, I have to shut out the hometown team here. Um, but they have played really well. The question with them is, you know, at what point are too many injuries too many that you can't overcome? Right. And my worry for them right now is Cole Anthony is the only real point guard on the roster, and he's a rookie because Fultz is hurt, Michael Carter-Williams is hurt, Jordan Bone can kind of function as a backup point guard a little bit he's one of their two-way players so eventually you hit a point where you just cross the bridge and no return with you know that many injuries and, I, and i'm afraid orlando's starting to push right up against that and that'll be interesting to see how they approach the rest of the season or are they one of these teams that makes an early season trade and says all right let's go get ourselves a point guard yo know, to get somebody in here could orlando be a landing spot for james harden you know, it's funny. People bring that up mm-hmm. quite a bit and say, you know, could the Magic really make a big swing to really kind of become you know relevant? And they've certainly got the contracts that they could put together because you got Fournier at seventeen million. Um, you know, you could give up uh, Gordon um, in, in a trade. My question is, does it take you too far out of balance? Yeah. That you have to send out too much. Um, where now all of a sudden is it you know Harden and Vucevic left, and you know is that enough to you know? do damage in the east or you know well what is it and then does it turn into harden you know saying you know after a few months in orlando i don't want to be here either and then that turns into a big mess where you've given stuff up so yeah i mean they they could be i just don't see it yeah yeah i agree i think ultimately to make that kind of a jump it, it just it doesn't feel like an orlando magic type of move that you make especially if especially since we've already seen james harden behaving badly we've seen what that looks like it's not pretty, uh, flagrantly breaking league COVID protocol. And that might give some teams pause if they know he doesn't want to be there. I'm not saying he doesn't want to be in Orlando. We don't know. But if that's something that is out there, um, that might give teams reason to, to hesitate on giving up something something yep. major for him. Um, other teams that are that are performing well, you know, there's a the Golden, Golden State, it was good to see Steph Curry get going. He had a few just absolute blow-up games, and so that was good to see because early on I was seeing a lot of people chirping, a lot of people saying, oh, Steph Curry, he was a system player. It's, you know, he's not really that good, and then he just went in. So dumb. Yeah, and then he went nuclear. But Yeah, I, I just, yeah. I don't understand the desire to hate that guy as much as some people do. Well, I mean, he he broke people's hearts for, what, five years there where the, where the, the Warriors <laughs> yeah, were right? just yeah. steamrolling. So I think there's a little bit of that leftover sting from from that. Of course. But um, if we're looking at some of the teams that aren't doing so well, I mean, I think we got it. There's a number of teams to look at, but at one and six, the Toronto Raptors, I did not think, even losing Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka, I, I did not think they were going to be in this position right now what is going on in toronto and is this something they can turn around or are we in a few weeks going to be talking about are the raptors going to dump kyle lowry because they're clearly not winning this season yeah man it's uh I was low on them, but I was low on them seventh low yeah. on them, not you know low on them worst team in the league low on them. Uh, yeah, I think the Raptors. I think there's a lot of things at play here. You know, right? Just like everybody else who finished the season, they finished the season away from home in the bubble, but then they didn't even go home. Right? Yeah. They they had to you know kind of or they went home for you know a couple months, and now it's turned right back around into hey, let's play an entire season away from home, and that's tough on, on these guys. You know, so they were I would. You know, just reading an article the other day where some of the guys are still living in the hotel that's attached to like the arena where they're doing their practices mm-hmm. and stuff. Some guys are living in, um, all right, you know, rented homes in the Tampa area and are living there. Uh, some guys had their families join them, some didn't. Um, so that's just, it's just really hard. That, that is, you know, a really hard yeah. thing, you know, on them. And then I think on the court, Abaco was great last year. Mm-hmm. He had maybe his best season. 
last year. And I think a lot of people overlooked how important he was. I mean, I know right now, you know, your 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 folks there on on the Lakers side are a little bit down on Mark Gasol, mm-hmm. but he was important to them because that was you know twenty minutes a night at the center position that you knew you could count on. You know, Ibaka for you know the other you know twenty five or so, and then a little bit of small ball, and and you were good. So so I think they've really struggled to replace those guys. Aaron Baines doesn't look very good. He was kind of the major Gasol replacement. Um, they didn't really replace Ibaka. They, they, they hoped Chris Boucher would step into that role. So I think it's just combine that with then Kyle Lowry looks a step slower than usual. Yeah. Uh, Pascal Siakam, I think. You know, by the time we got to the restart, I think teams were really figuring him out. And then Boston, you know, they just – he was awful in the playoff series. You know, and, the, and then when they played the other day, I tweeted this, but the Celtics – it was we'll switch whoever on to you. They were switching, you know, small guards onto him yeah. and but we don't care. We're not worried about you at all doing anything. And it was, you know, go ahead and play through him. It's just not gonna end well. And you know, and I, I think I think he's just really slipped some. So, you know, now the question you asked is can they get it back on track? I don't know, man. It it is still so early. So what are they? They're one and six. Mm-hmm. They're five games out of eighth already. If you are, you know, if you are five, six games out in, let's call it another three weeks, let's say when we're at the end of January, that's trouble time because now you're running out of time to make uh, make up ground, you know, here because by the end of January, we're a third of the way or so through the season. That's where it really starts to get get hard this year is because you're you're not going to be in position to say, well, we still got, you know, 60 games left. You might only have 50 games left. And I know that still sounds like a lot. But, you know, 40 or 50 games, making up, you know, a six or seven game deficit in the standings, that's really hard to pull off. Now, what I could see them doing is being that team that says, let's just get to 10th. Let's get to the play in and then we'll we'll handle our business there. Maybe that's how it goes for them versus let's be one of those teams that's in the top six in the East. That part I'm struggling to see. Yeah, I think that's a that's a more realistic outcome to them for them to be into the playoff series. And if they can get things figured out by then in the play-in, they could still be good. I mean, this was the quintessential greater than the sum of their parts team last season. And so it's been surprising to see how quickly things have dropped off for them. But I don't think all is lost just yet. I do think, though, if it continues to go poorly, at some point the Vultures are going to start circling, looking at some of their their pieces for trades. Um, And by the way, speaking of the eighth seed in the East, we should have mentioned this. Who would have thought that nine games into the season, the Cavs, would have the same record as the Brooklyn yeah. Nets. What is happening yeah, there? Colin Sexton has been amazing. <laughs> yeah, Colin Sexton playing great. Darius Garland was playing good. Mm-hmm. I had tweeted this while the season was shut down, and I was working on some off-season stuff because I didn't. Right, we didn't know were we going to play again or not. Yeah. I had tweeted about how the Cavs figured some stuff out late before the season shut down. Really, at that you know couple of weeks or so worth the games after the trade deadline. Um, they had switched um, shortly before the trade deadline. They put Darius Garland on the ball and moved Colin Sexton off the ball, kind of just flip-flopped the two. Mm-hmm. And that made all the difference for the two yeah. of them. Garland was able to be more of a playmaker. Sexton then became more of a primary scorer. And what Sexton did last year versus his rookie year, he got rid of all those bad long twos. They all came out of his game, and he became a guy who started to really do more at the rim or three-pointers. Um, his off-the-dribble shooting improved immensely. The other thing he did was he scrapped any of those long off-the-dribble twos, and they turned him, when, with Garland with the ball, turned him into spot-up three-point shots where he shot quite well. Um, so, yeah, you combine that with Isaac Okoro, looked you know, really NBA-ready right out of the gate. Um, I had a scout tell me he's one of the more NBA-ready guys he thought to have an impact right away. Um, Andre Drummond's playing pretty good, minus that. I don't know if you saw that highlight where he held the ball for about 20 seconds and then tried this goofy sweeping underhand layup thing that missed, you know, worse than I think I've ever seen anybody (laughs) miss a layup. Um, That was really bad, but he has played played really well other than that. The problem for them is, again, another team – Injuries have just yeah. piled up, you know, for them. Marlon's out for a little bit. Sexton tweaked an ankle, and he's going to be out. So, yeah, one one last thing just to kind of close the book on the Raptors, yeah. too, that I wanted to say. Kyle Lowry, $30.5 million, but it's expiring. That's a deal a lot of teams would like mm-hmm. like to get to. Yeah. Um, because, you know, he's a guy who could really help. That's a team, you know, where, you know, let's say if you're Orlando and you're, you're managed to kind of weather this storm of injuries, you could say, eh, do, do we have two, three contracts we could put together to go get 
Kyle Lowry to fill the point guard spot for us the rest of the year. You know, that's something you could say. I could even see, you know, um, you know, any number of teams, you know, kind of saying, yeah, you know, let's go get him and get that done. Norm Powell's got a player option for next year. He's a guy teams I think could say, yeah, he's been good off the bench. So, yeah, I think other really other than Siakam and, and Ananobi, I would say just about everybody and Van Vliet, too. Um, everybody is probably on the table you know, for that team, if you wanted to talk trade. Yeah, yeah, I think they absolutely will be active there. Um, other teams... I want to give you one more disappointing... Team. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Denver. Yes. Uh, yes, Three yes, and five, yes. you know, really struggling. They're not defending anybody mm-hmm. at all. Um, you know, that's a, that's been a huge problem um, when they're, you know, winning games, they're kind of doing it by just getting by. You know, they, 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 they don't look very good at all in their losses. I'm sure they'll be fine. You know, they're... they're you know, they're not, they're far from, you know, any, any out of it at all. I mean, they're all, they're three games out of first place, you know, this early in the season at three and five, but I thought they were a team that might really push and be maybe even the number one team in the West in the regular yeah. season. Cause I thought they were going to push really, really hard, but just it, everything's just kind of off with them other than Jokic, you know, Murray hasn't played all that great yet. Uh, they're, they've had some problems with Barton and Harris and then uh, Porter jr. It sounds like he got COVID is my guess where he's been out for uh, seven days. I was going to be out for an additional 10. Um, so that's, you know, it sounds like something's going on there. It's just, you know, they're, they're a little bit off. I have faith that they're going to get it back together, but, but definitely a disappointment for me early on. Here's the thing too. When you look at their, at their record, they have two wins over the Timberwolves of their three. Two of their three wins are over the Timberwolves, who are not good. <laughs> the Wolves are a mess right now. Um, and they've got a win over the Rockets, who are also not playing very well. But their losses, they've played all Western Conference teams. Their losses, the Mavs, the Suns, the Kings twice, and the Clippers. So they're they're losing. They're not just losing games. They're losing to their Western Conference rivals who were going to be competing with them for playoff positioning. So they've not only lost games, but they've yeah. pushed wins onto the records of the guys that they are competing against. So that that can do a lot of damage. Those well. tiebreakers are really going to matter. Yes, absolutely, yeah, in a 72-game exactly. season. Yep. So that is, yep. is damaging in and of itself. Um, I still think they will get it together at some point, but it is yep. it is startling to see them performing so poorly given how good they were back in the playoffs. I mean, coming back from a 3-1 series yeah. deficit to the Clippers and and they played the Lakers tough. And, and the Jazz. And the Jazz coming back from <laughs> 3-1 down to the Jazz as well. Um, this was a team that looked to be on the rise and they just haven't they haven't uh, maintained that momentum here early in the season. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Um, okay. Yeah, tough. Speaking of, I mentioned the Timberwolves and I did it so I'd have this just beautiful segue here into our <laughs> next topic. Because we need to talk NBA expansion, we and there's even a little bit of buzz potentially about the Wolves being a relocation target for some owners, although it sounds like they are pushing back on that. The current ownership of the Wolves doesn't want them going anywhere, though they would like to sell the team. But it's sounding more and more like NBA teams are now open to the idea of expansion, and the NBA itself is open to the idea of expansion because it would help them offset some of these COVID losses. Every single team would get money if they were to expand by, say, one or two teams, so they could go to, say, 32 teams. Some of the cities that we've heard, uh, Seattle, Vancouver, Las Vegas, I think Seattle for sure would wind up getting a team if they do wind up expanding. Yep. But then after that, if they do another team, they, they, then you could have some some questions about who would get that squad. But Keith, what, what are your thoughts on expansion? Is this something the NBA should be doing right now? Is this just financially motivated or competitively? Can the league handle two more teams? Where Where do you sit on all of this? Yeah, when you look at the rosters around the NBA, when you look at some of the guys who were cut, guys, free agents who weren't signed, mm-hmm. In those things, there is enough talent to support two more teams. Now, this is not the NBA where it was, you know, man, we built two more teams out. Kind of when the Raptors and Grizzlies came in, mm-hmm. and it was questionable guys at the end of those benches of, you know, these aren't really NBA players. The NBA has enough talent, and, and we've got a couple draft classes coming up, especially whatever year the double draft comes where high schoolers will be allowed yeah. in again where you're going to see, you know, there's an additional, let's call it 40, you know, in those those years, at least really good players who are going to come in. And that's, you know, 60 will be drafted, uh, 59 in one year because Milwaukee lost a pick. But, you know, 40 players that are going to be really, really good players. So I think that part of it is easy. The financial part, what gets interesting here is they 
you can roughly say two to two and a half billion, right? Would be the expansion, mm-hmm. the expansion fee. I I know there's a lot of chatter of maybe they only do 31 teams and they have an odd amount of teams, and they did that for a while, yeah. um, you know, in, in the league. Um, you know, they they did have an odd amount of teams, but I don't think they would want to. I think they'd want to get to you know an even amount. Um, so I think well, you, let's let's so let's say five million, five billion rather total comes in. Yeah. None of that five billion goes to the players. Right. In that case, that's not basketball-related income. I know that seems kind of weird, but it isn't. That's an expansion fee for the league. Um, so there are some who said, "Well, wouldn't the players fight that? Players won't fight it because that's another thirty-four playing jobs." Yeah, in the league, you know, another you know uh, thirty regular jobs and then four two-way jobs. Um, so that's thirty-four jobs that come in the league. Never mind coaches and trainers and all these things that would come along along with it so um so i do think it is i think once adam silver who has repeatedly said no it's not on the table we're not thinking about it once he said we dusted off the plans we started talking about it and then it feels like it's what every four or five days it comes Mm -hmm. out a little bit more then you've got the seattle mayor now is saying like we feel really good about it that tells me that there's more real conversation happening um, now they're saying it probably wouldn't be at the earliest until the 2022-23 season. Totally makes sense. It takes time. It can't, it can't come together as quick, quick as it seems because you'd have to you know, let, let ownership groups bid and cities and all the other stuff that's going along with it. Things I've been told, which matches up with all the other reporting from our peers out there, is Seattle is that number one. If there's one, it'll be Seattle. If there's two, Seattle's one of two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it should be. Yeah. They, they never should have lost the suit the Sonics in the first place. Uh, I'm, I'm not rocking my Sonic shirt today. I should have. <laughs> um, if I was smarter, I would have thought about it. Um, but yeah, they should be. They should be. You know, the number one team. After that, it becomes there is a desire within the NBA and within a lot of people to get a little more West Coast centric. So a Vancouver, a Las mm-hmm. Vegas, a team like that, that has been discussed. Um, but there is one of the other markets that people seem to love and think could be ready is Louisville, yeah. which would be another team, you know, kind of more in the, the central east um, side of things. So, so you know, maybe that's where it goes. If it's two West Coast teams, they'll likely move. Um, it'll probably be the Grizzlies, Wolves, or Pelicans who moves east. Um, oh, man. Two West teams. Get ready for that fight. West, so. Could you imagine if, right, if, yeah. if there's three teams potentially that can move east and only two of them can, that is going to be a battle of, of teams trying to move into that Eastern Conference because well, they're going to... it would only be one because you're adding oh, two. You're right. So you only need to move one you're right. Over. Yeah, doing the math. Yeah. So you don't need to move two. So it would only be one. One of the things that's it's like talked about is... Yeah, a little <laughs> bit that can only be one. Perfect. Um, one of the things that's been talked about is do you make the Timberwolves sale contingent upon we're going to move you conferences. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not like it was, there's been some parallels drawn to the Houston Astros and Major League Baseball with when they were sold, it was you're going to move from the National League to the American League because um, they wanted to rebalance. Right? Remember, the NL had 16 teams. The AL only had 15. They mm-hmm. wanted to balance 15 and 15. So that was a condition of when, we, when, you, when the team is bought, you're buying it knowing we are moving you to the AL. Right. One of the things that has been said is, do you put those conditions on the Minnesota sale saying we're going to move you? Now, Minnesota is the furthest west of those three teams, I believe. I believe they're further west than New Orleans. It's close, it's close. between those two. But New Orleans is also so far south that they're so – other than Houston, San Antonio, and Dallas in OKC, they're pretty far away from the other teams in the Western Conference. So, I mean, they're, they're closer to like Orlando and Atlanta than those teams. Memphis really fits because that's really pretty east. You know, I don't think anybody considers Memphis to be a Western city in the United States. So it's also an opportunity for the league to really look and say, do we need conferences? You know, or, you know, do do we do we break up things very differently? You know, do we do, you know, 32 teams and we do you know kind of NFL style with, um, you know, four divisions of four on each side? Do we do two divisions of eight on each side? You know, what does it look like? Um, Do you even need divisions? I, I think. Whenever this happens, and I do think it's going to happen, um, you know, let's say sooner rather than later within, yeah. 
I think within the next five years, we will have expansion in the NBA. I think it's, you know, just, you know, right on to get the money into the league uh, through the expansion fees and then, you know, have, you know, those additional teams and all that. It's two more television markets as well. Um, I think it's going to happen. I, I just, that I think is a chance for the NBA to really kind of reset and redo a lot of things. You know, when I'm looking at the map and I'm looking at where these teams could, could go, which teams could go East, which teams would stay in the West. Um, I, I know the Wolves technically are further West, but they're so close to Eastern Conference teams. Yeah. I mean, you've got the Bucks, the to Pistons, Chicago. the Bulls. Yeah. yeah, they're all right there. And in the West, they're all they're by themselves. They're yeah. like on like this little like island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, up there in the you know. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, and you could structure it too, where I look at it, and you know, I mean, they call it the Northwest Division, mm-hmm. but it's so silly because I mean, yeah. yeah, Minnesota is north, but they're, they're not, not west, west at all. <laughs> um, but you could restructure it to. You know, Portland, Seattle, if Vancouver was the other city, Vancouver, Sacramento, Golden State, they could all be mm-hmm. there. You could have a real true Southwest division, which is, you know, Lakers, Clippers, Suns, you know, if LA was, or not Vegas. LA, Las Vegas yeah. was the other team, put them in there. Utah is very close to those teams. So there's a lot of things you could do. Yeah, it's it's uh, one of those things where every couple years I start pulling a bunch of stuff out and then I start kind of redrawing maps and trying to figure out the best way to put it together. But yeah, I, I do think it's inevitable we're going to see the league expand to 32 teams. Because the other thing too is they don't want to get too far behind the NHL. No. Who's going to be at thirty two? Yep. In, in the next next little bit, when the uh, what is it, the Seattle Kraken? Yeah. Which what a fantastic! I know, I right? It. I love their art. <laughs> it's really I good. Think it's really cool. I love the colors they picked. Yeah, I love it. So yeah, when they start, yeah, they're at thirty two teams. There's a uh, thirty two major league base or thirty major league baseball teams, right? So you know you want to get past past them before they expand. You know the NFL. That's a little bit of a different animal, but yeah, you don't want to be the one sitting back there. You know, just kind of wondering, especially when you have enough talent to finally do it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to get done. I think that Adam Silver is so careful with everything he says that him admitting yeah. that it's now a possibility means it's probably exactly. fairly far along. Like he he would be saying nothing about because it costs... it's very easy exactly. for him to it deny costs it. Him nothing. Exactly. That's it. Exactly what you said. It costs him nothing to say. Nope, not on the table. Like it's just that's the same answer he's been given yeah. for five years now you know to say no not anything we're looking at but when he starts to say yeah we're looking at it. and then like you said where then it's like every five to seven days since then we've had it kind of come back up and there's another new story and another new story You're starting to see a lot of the um the folks especially in seattle and louisville who have been pushing they're starting to chirp really loud which says to me um you know and that's the other nice thing mm-hmm. is let's say seattle is for sure one you could drive a hell of a bidding war with oh, cities sure. and ownership groups for that second one. And it could really start to push to, you could end up with $3 billion, you know, expansion fees to bring in, you know, to the league and those kind of things. So, you know, it's, uh, it's just, you know, we're, we're going to see it and it's definitely coming sooner rather than later. Well, let me ask you this before we, before we wrap up here. Uh, the Brian Windhorse piece mentioned the Wolves. They're looking for an asking price somewhere around $1.5 billion. If a, if your cost to land a new franchise is two point five to maybe we have a bidding war and you're looking at three or something, wouldn't it make a lot of sense for a, a an ownership group to just attempt to buy the wolves? Although again, there's been a pushback. They don't want them moving. It's always painful when a city loses yeah. their loses their team. But if you are if you're an ownership group in Seattle or in Vegas or or Vancouver or wherever, you could save a significant amount of money if you can structure a deal to just relocate the wolves rather than buying a brand new franchise you could i think though that's a huge city for the nba to lose uh minneapolis that's not something they're going to be okay with right they do not want to lose uh you know that market um so i don't think what they would do is right and we saw this happen unfortunately in hockey this happened where it was teams were moved then they expanded in the city where the team was moved The, the hockey team in minnesota right they moved from from Minnesota to Dallas, then they expanded and put a brand new team right back in Minnesota. And that's not something the NBA wants to get involved in, right? They did that with Charlotte. And that was even seen as like, really, we're going back to the Charlotte market again. And now Seattle. Um, So yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Now in Seattle, I think is, that's a little different, right? Because of the way that played out with them losing their team. I don't think anybody, you know, believes that they should have lost their team but i think what you're going to ultimately see with those guys is i think you're going to see the nba kind of come back and say 
no, where whoever buys the wolves is buying them with every intention of they stay right here mm-hmm. in Minnesota. You figure it out, you know, and get get it going, and then you know Seattle and whoever become the new markets, and then you could kind of kind of you know, build almost kind of around three new groups in a sense, you know, of right. you know brand new era for the wolves in Minnesota with a new you know ownership group for the first time in a long time, and in that, and it's yeah, it's so so I don't I don't think that's a market they really want to lose. Yeah. You know, and I don't, and then, you know, can you imagine, you know, in, on that side too, and then just to turn around and replace it, you know, I think those people would be like, you just bought this team for, you know, 1.5 billion. Now I got to pay 2.5 to, you know, have a brand new team that's going to be, you know, even as bad as the Wolves have been, way worse for probably a couple of years. So, you know, and then last thing I'll say on it, I want it to happen because one, it creates a million more jobs in the league, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. all kinds of jobs. And then the other thing is, I want to be breaking down protected lists. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes. All that stuff, man. You know, you know, probably better than anybody else how pumped I will be to get in. The, I mean, we will probably take weeks oh, worth of sure. shows breaking down the protected <laughs> lists and then then the drafts and everything else. I'll probably write, I get a million articles out of writing about how expansion works and all the things with that. So yeah, man, I, I that, that part, I mean, you can see the smile on my face right now. Like I, I would love it. That did, that did indeed cross my mind of, Oh my gosh. And we, <laughs> we could, we could talk about who each team is going to protect if they protect X amount of players and all of that. And it, it yes, if this ha- and when it happens, it's going to be a lot of fun breaking down all of that for sure. But awesome. it does appear that, that we're on track to see at least one, maybe two new teams entering the NBA in the near future. All right, everybody. I think we'll wrap up there. Appreciate all of you joining us. Uh, again, don't forget, make sure you give us that five-star rating over on Apple podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at front office show. Um, Keith, Make sure that you're following him on at Keith Smith NBA over on Twitter. Final thoughts, man. Anything you want to leave everybody with? No, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting. The season's going. I just hope COVID holds yes. off enough that it doesn't really ruin this. I hope these teams, um, you'll get it going. All accounts of the players are doing for the most part. There's a couple out there stories, but uh, for the most part, guys are taking it really serious, but it just goes to show you, you can do everything right and still get this thing. So I'll just leave that with everybody, you know, stay safe, be smart out there, mm-hmm. you know, keep, keep you and your family safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody stay safe, do everything you can. And um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll have some brighter days ahead. All right, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening slash watching, depending on where you're you're consuming this, whether you're on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel or you're listening to the podcast version of this. We really appreciate it, and we love getting your questions and comments coming in. So if you guys want to toss those into the comment section of whatever platform you're checking this out on, we will go through and check out all of those. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see ya.